What up, world? It's your past first point guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond, and you are listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever podcasts are sold. CJ McCollum, heavy show for you today. He had a press conference last week where he talked about uh, signing his $100 million extension that keeps him in Blazer, in Blazer land for another three years, so five total. I got audio from the first two segments for CJ talking about why he chose to stay with the Blazers and what he sees as the next steps for this team and him and Dame and his legacy and all those things. In the third segment, we got a little Blazer history for you. August 5th is a very important day in Blazer history. I bet you don't know why, but stick around with me to the third segment and I will let you know exactly why August 5th, such a big day in the history of this franchise. But let's start with C.J. McCollum. Uh, This this press conference happened last week. I happen to be out of town. Uh, It's kind of how summer works, but the, and so while the audio is a little bit dated, it's probably six days old by the time you hear this, five days old by the time you hear this. It's still totally relevant and important for how you got to think about this team and this group, this Blazer roster going forward. So I'll just start by playing you guys a clip. Uh, One of the reporters of this press conference, and I apologize, I don't know who I would gladly give you a shout out, Blazer media member. But they asked CJ sort of, why was this decision so easy? He was eligible for the contract uh, extension. He became eligible on July 27th. And by that following Tuesday, he had agreed to a new deal to keep him in Portland for an additional three seasons. So here's CJ McCollum's answer on why he was able to say yes so quickly to this one. I think, you know, looking at how I was raised, you know, growing up in Canton, Ohio, you know, the path I took going to Lehigh University, um, I didn't I didn't go to Kentucky. I didn't go to a Duke. I went to a place that was right for me and a place that, you know, I, I, I grew to love and a place that grew to love me. I think the same thing goes for Portland. You know, they gave, gave me a chance, you know, coming out of college. Uh, they love me. The, the city loves me. I love the organization. I love the city. And I think that it was the right fit for me, you know, exploring the market and doing those types of things. I don't think it was necessary for me and my lifestyle and the, and the type of career I wanted to have. And I feel like, you know, being able to you know, lock in a long-term deal shows a, a mutual commitment, a mutual agreement to where I'm happy, they're happy, and we want to continue to build on what we've done. And I think that, you know, based on what I've been able to accomplish and what I think we can accomplish in the future, it's a great decision. The other reason it's a great decision is because CJ McCollum gets $100 million. Um, you know, his last contract was four for 106, so it's not like this is the first time he signed a giant deal. This is just guaranteeing that he's going to end up with tons and tons of money in his life as if 106 million is enough. But I, I think, you know, the, the big thing is the money and the guaranteed money. He can, he will have two more seasons and won't have to worry about getting injured or regressing a little bit or all those things. When the money is in front of you and the difference in a max contract being a hundred, roughly 115, 114 million, and the guarantee now, two years out of getting that hundred million, that's I mean, that's why this deal happens so quickly, because it offers him security and it offers the Bla- it gets the Blazers to be able to lock in their two best players along with Damian Lillard. It gets them to have those guys locked in for now five seasons going forward, and you can kind of you can see the vision of the roster. And I, I 
I would push back a little bit against the sort of C.J. McCollum um, narrative. The I, I believe all that rosy stuff about why you know this is he wants to be in a place that's loyal to him, and he wants to be a place that sort of fits his whatever vibe from a small college type of guy. But I think more so than anything, the security and knowing that you will be valued as a main option and will be in a competitive environment. I think all those things add up to him being here. Uh, but I guess in a, as a counter argument to what I've just been saying is he probably could have made more money if he waited a little bit. If he truly plays out um, these final two years of his contract and hits unrestricted free agency in the summer of 2021 at age 30, he's probably making more money than than this. So maybe there is some truth to it. Like I said, I think that the getting the security early is really valuable for anyone, regardless of what your job is, certainly if, um, if it's a $100 million check. But it, just to push back against my own line of thinking to give you both sides of the argument, I do think CJ gave the Blazers a small discount. And while you can debate forever and... and I probably won't do that here, whether he's worth the contract or whatever. I think he would have received a max deal on the open market and giving the Blazers a slight reduction and not chasing the money makes you kind of think that all of the rosy things he says about why he wants to stay in Portland are true. But... You don't have to trust him. You don't have to trust me either. In fact, you can distrust both of us. Maybe both me and CJ are wrong in this instance. In the second segment, uh, I want to talk about what I alluded to. Dame and CJ are locked up in Portland for five seasons. And all of a sudden, when you listen to these guys talk, and I think it's going to be a theme of something that I um, consider a lot heading into the season and throughout the season, they're talking broadly and boldly about chasing championships, something we haven't heard from them. So in segment two, I want to play you a little more audio from CJ's press conference and talk a little bit about the next steps with this roster, how he sees this group coming together and what he sees about what him and Dame can accomplish together and their legacies as trailblazers. Before we get there, though, I want to tell you guys about the Locked on Fantasy Football podcast. That's right. Listen up, fantasy football players. Make sure you are listening to Vinny Iyer on the Lockdown Fantasy Football. Vinny gives you the edge with over 20 years covering fantasy football. Don't listen to the same stuff as everyone else. Then you are the same. Get the edge from Vinny that will put you ahead on draft day and put you ahead all season long. Lockdown Fantasy Football on your favorite podcast provider. Check it out. Okay, so we, we heard CJ explain his reasoning for being here. Um, one of the things that I didn't play for you because Neil Olshay kind of uh, rambled a little bit in his answer, and I wanted to give you some... Um, I want to make this podcast a little more concise than a four-minute long answer from Neil Olshay really provides for. But he talked about why, um, one of the big reasons that they kind of think they're able to get Dame and CJ to buy in is because they're the type of guys that fit the Portland mold and they're more interested in the sort of basketball good good opportunity to compete at a high level win a bunch of games play in a, a competent organization than they are about sort of the um the 
extracurricular stuff that comes from playing in a better market or uh, in better, I mean, larger market media wise or, or a uh, more desirable climate than uh, Portland offers. There's just not a ton of stuff to do in our fine city if you are a super millionaire. I kind of think that's overblown. Um, Damian Lillard's, you know, racking 300 million. Uh, I, I think a lot of team, a lot of players in other markets have, have accepted those big money contracts when they offered to him. You know, Russell Westbrook got traded because the team imploded, not because he demanded his way out. But I do think there is some truth to that Dame and CJ seem to fit what the Blazers want to do and what they're about. And whether that's because they're in a good situation where they can keep getting fat paychecks and they've just bought into a culture that's and, and, and franchise that mostly does things the right way, or because they are truly individuals that are specifically wired to be better fits in this market. It's up for debate. But that's why I didn't play Neil O'Shea's long-winded answer, because I had a long-winded explanation for it, a rebuttal. I couldn't give you four minutes of Neil and then four minutes of me telling you why I don't think Neil's totally right. Instead, you just got 90 seconds of me telling you why Neil's not totally right. You'll get more of that if you keep listening to this podcast. So what's next for the Blazers? CJ's in until the summer of 2024. Dame can opt in that summer for another year and be here through the summer of 2025. It's a $55 million player option that summer. I'm pretty sure Damien Lord's going to go ahead and pick that bad boy up. So with that in mind, I want to play you a little bit of audio about what Dame and CJ have discussed as far as the future of this franchise and the direction of this franchise, now knowing that they will, at least they're under contract together here for the next five seasons. Take a listen. I think Dame and I talked about it, you know, even during the playoffs last year. Um, we had kind of set our eyes on, you know, making it to the Western Conference Finals and, and being able to kind of extend our legacy. And I think the next step for us is understanding how we got there and understanding why we lost. And it, it all starts with us um, figuring out ways to get better, figuring out ways to uh, help our team, you know, put the best product out there and, and looking at how deep the West is now with Utah, all those teams getting better. Uh, the point of emphasis and, and the sense of urgency needs to start earlier because you can't afford to drop games. So I think the next step for us is obviously to try to get to the finals and try to win a championship. Um, looking at you know what we've been able to do this summer, obviously each year we've all improve, improved uh, individually and been able to bring it together collectively. I think that every year I play in the NBA, nothing, anything short of a championship is, is a failed season because you know there's, there's 29 teams that are losing and going home and trying to figure out how to get better. So my reaction, particularly to the end of that quote, is that I don't think the Blazers would have said anything short of a championship is a failed season before last season. I don't think a team that had mostly flamed out in the playoffs, um, you know, CJ's, he's um, not not exactly shy about making sort of these bold kind of um, deadpan proclamations about being the best shooting guard in the NBA or whatever it is. He's, he's, he doesn't shy away from that type of thing. But I don't think, generally speaking, that he would be so open to saying anytime you don't win a championship is a failed season without tasting the Western Conference Finals last year. So I really think the, that last season, and particularly the way CJ played in the playoffs in primetime games, you know, a, a, a really special Game 7 on the road to put the Blazers in the Western Conference Finals, I think that has kind of shifted at least his perception, and sounds like Dame's too, about what this team needs to start aiming for. 
I don't know if that's realistic, but I know that that is now the goal. And, and the target has officially moved. And like I said, they're talking about it in July. Uh, later in the press conference, another reporter asked CJ about, uh, has he considered now that he's going to be here for so long, you know, he's, he's committed to be here for, I believe, 11 seasons. And the question was posed to him is, has he considered sort of him and Dame's space as the greatest Blazer backcourt of all time? Uh, and, and I'll play you CJ's answer here too, because, um, not only is it interesting, but I think it plays well into the third segment. I don't think about it until you bring it up. Um, and then I start to look and then I start to see, you know, obviously I've, I've watched and I've seen a lot of uh, old Blazer footage and the type of impact, you know, the greats that came before us have had. Obviously, uh, Terry and, and Clyde have tremendous careers and were able to, I don't know, three, four uh, conference finals appearances. I think they made it to the finals twice. So I think that the bars is just, you know, win a championship. And if you can get a couple, get a couple. If you can get a few, get a few. And I think that's how you're remembered. Obviously, you know, points and three-pointers and percentages is great. But, you know, there's a reason why, you know, most of the players from that uh, 77 roster, you know, their jerseys hang in the, in the banners because of what they were able to accomplish, you know, as a whole. So if we can do that, I think that, that'll be enough for us to, you know, look back and say, you know, we did everything we could to win a championship and we did that. So like I said, CJ's talking titles. Um, And I think he's right. Uh, I I think that Dame will probably be the greatest Blazer of all time, but the idea that them as teammates be considered the greatest backcourt of all time, they're going to need to play in the NBA Finals. They might need to win one, but they certainly are going to need to play in one together to be under that consideration. Because even my proclamation that Dame will be the greatest Blazer ever will be under some level of scrutiny. Because Drexler was number two in the MVP voting one year. He was pretty clearly the second best point guard or second best shooting guard in the league for a long stretch. And that team played in two championships. Something that this team, and I think that's why I played to the audio, this team is now has, has shifted to thinking about very broadly, big picture, their space in, in, with legacies both in the short term and long term. And now that the team has committed all this money to its two-star guards in kind of an era when a lot of people in their shoes have decided to move to other places... They're starting to see where they fit in the puzzle, both in, in, in sort of the, the league this year in 2019-2020 season and also just the, the pantheon of the franchise. Because if you're with a team for a decade or more, inevitably, if you're at a job, any job for a decade or more, you start thinking about where you, you know, why, why you do it, where you fit, your legacy and all those things. And I don't think, um, I think it's way too early to start even considering Dame and CJ the best backcourt of all time. I think they're very clearly not. But what this contract means, what this commitment this summer means to give these guys this money and and to kind of let the rest of the parts go and build around these two dudes and say, Dame and CJ plus will continue to build the roster around your skills, means you have to consider what you kind of bring. It, It forces you to consider your place and what you bring to the franchise, both in the short term and the long term. And, uh, obviously CJ was prompted to, to that question. It's not like something he's sitting home thinking about every day. Like, am I better than Terry Porter? But it's something that an off season like this demands. 
Okay, in the third segment, we're going to keep it historical. Today, August 5th, is one of the most important days in Blazer history. One of the biggest trades in the history of the franchise went down today. That's what I'm going to tell you all about, and we're going to relive that a little bit in the third segment. But before we get there, I want to tell you guys about another podcast. It's football season, y'all. The new Locked On NFL is on fire. Last week, it was one of the most listened to NFL shows in the world, in the whole podcast space. It's got expert analysis of former NFL scout Matt Williamson, and it's hosted by Brian Peacock. Locked On NFL is your daily national podcast on all things NFL with Matt's unique take on the game. Follow Locked On NFL now on your favorite podcast provider. All right, welcome back. Still Locked On Blazers, still Mike Richmond, still past first point guard. So what happened on August 5th, 1976? Don't know yet? Okay, here it is. In the summer of 1976, the ABA and the NBA merged. And as part of that merger, there was the ABA dispersal draft. Uh, And that happened, you guessed it, August 5th, 1976. The players from the Kentucky Colonels and the St. Louis Spirit, two ABA teams that did not join the NBA in the merger, and and players from those two teams were drafted by... uh, the now newly formed NBA teams. But before we get to the Blazers' ABA selection, we have to rewind one year earlier when the Blazers had traded Jeff Petrie and Steve Haas to the Atlanta Hawks in exchange for the second overall pick in the 1976 ABA dispersal draft. So the Blazers all of a sudden have one of the highest picks in the ABA draft. And that set up the Blazers to add a legend and who would become a pillar of their championship team. So after exchanging the rights to the second pick in the draft with Atlanta, they ended up with Maurice Lucas. That's right. Mo Luke, who had been an all-star in the ABA the previous season. He averaged 17 and 11.3 boards for the Kentucky Colonels. But then in 1976, he landed with the Blazers added to a front court that already included Bill Walton and and just a few short months later they won the NBA title the storied 77 championship team um probably would have won more if not for Walton's health issues they were incredibly good in 1978 sorry to bring up old news you already know but that's why August 5th is an important day in Blazer history. Uh, it's probably one of the most important trades in Blazer history is, is flipping Jeff Petrie, who was very good for the Blazers in order to get a, a, a draft pick. Uh, Mo Luke was not only a pillar of that championship team, he was a, a part of the Blazers for a long time, uh, rejoined them at the very end of his career to finish out his final NBA season, and then worked for the uh, franchise in various capacities until he passed away. Uh, he's, he's, a, he's a true legend. Um, I was surprised today that the Blazers franchise didn't celebrate Mo Luke. I'm sure they'll do different things for Mo Luke as they head into um, the 50th season, 50th anniversary season, and all the things that they have lined up um, with the to recognize their past greats. But I want you to mark this one down in your calendars. Put this uh, put this in your Blazer trivia. 
the most important August date in, in team history, perhaps, is August 5th, 1976, when they drafted Maurice Lucas. Guys, that's your history lesson for today. I'll spare you more Maurice Lucas history for now. Um, just know that he's, in my eyes, one of the easily one of the 10 most important Blazers of all time, if not higher. Tell your friends about Lockdown Blazers. Tell them they can find this podcast wherever they get podcasts already. That's on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Himalaya app. We got more Lockdown Blazers coming to you later this week. I'll talk to you guys then. Thanks for listening.